0: Chapter One of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. Chapter One Good News for Link. It was nearing Thanksgiving time and growing very cold. The little stove in our clubhouse gave out a warmth that made the place as cozy as home. Every boy in the club was present at the meeting, and I was just about to read the minutes of our last meeting when there came from the river the deep sound of a steamboat whistle. It's the Hudson Lee, said Jerry Moore. Dick, let me go down and see who's on it. Our captain, Dick Ferris, hit the table with his wooden hammer and shook his head. It's against the rules, he said. You know that, Jerry, as well as I. Go ahead, Hawkins, read the minutes, and let's get this meeting started. I had been secretary of this bunch of boys for three years, and I was growing tired of reading minutes. Besides, I'm like all other boys, I suppose. I like to be at the landing when a steamboat comes in. Even if it doesn't stop at our wharf, I like to watch it go past. So I felt more like giving Dick a sharp answer instead of reading the doings of our last meeting. But orders are orders, and old Judge Granberry allowed us to hold our meetings in the little clubhouse in the hollow on one condition, and that was that we would stay away from the river. The Pelham boys on the other side had made some trouble for us, and whenever they could pick a quarrel, they were quick to grab the chance. I had no more than begun to read, however, when there came a step on the porch, followed by a knock on the door. "'See who it is, Hawkins,' said our captain. I opened the door. A man with a little black mustache stood before me. He carried a suitcase and a cane. "'Ah,' he said, "'it is boys, is it not?' There was a strange sound to his voice. I knew at once that he was not an American. Yes, I said. This is our clubhouse. Won't you come in, please? He seemed to be a very polite gentleman. He took off his hat as he entered. The boys turned their gaze at him, and he smiled. Excuse me, if I be bold, he said. Maybe so I have found what I seek. Listen, down in New Orleans i meet a little boy he is very pleasant he say i find you boys here and see i do he looked at me with a happy smile on his face as though he was greatly satisfied with himself what are you seeking i asked the man stopped smiling and turned a serious look toward the table around which our boys were seated from one to another he looked and then returned his gaze to me. I am much in doubt, he said. I do not know which one of you it is. By this time I was very much puzzled myself. I felt myself getting a little angry with the man. I waited for some one of the other boys to say something to him. But after a silence I said, Do you know the name of the boy you are searching for? Listen said the man, holding up a forefinger. In New Orleans, there a little boy, he say to me, you take a steamboat, Hudson Lee, and tell the captain of the boat to take you to Secretary Hawkins. So that I do. I just come at this time. I come right up here. The little boy, he say, I will find many boys together in one meeting place. He tell me, "'They have a secretary, Hawkins.' "'I bowed, wondering what this stranger could want with me. "'Yes,' I said. "'That's me.' "'The man bowed as I had, and offered me his hand. "'Glad to meet your acquaintance,' he said. "'You are real American boy. "'I have heard. "'They are all fine boys in America, "'just like boys in my country, Cuba.' I noticed that when he said Cuba, every boy in our clubhouse looked at him with great wonder, as if he had told them that he was some wonderful prince. Cuba! How far away it sounded! May I ask you, I said, who this kind little boy in New Orleans is, who told you that you could find me here? Certainly, said the man. He is named Fred and when he shook hands, he show me he have but three fingers. Ah, I said, three-finger Fred. The man nodded, the same, he said. He told me to say that when I see you. I smiled and turned to the other boys. Three-finger Fred told him, I said. At this moment we heard somebody whistling outside. The door opened and in came Doc Waters. Excuse me, he said, as he saw the stranger. I did not know there was anybody visiting here. He looked at the man before him for a second. The next instant he stepped forward with a smile upon his face. "Montilla," he exclaimed. Is it you? The strange man took Doc's hand, smiling. Yes, it is me, Waters, he replied. I DID NOT THINK TO FIND YOU HERE. IT IS LONG YEARS SINCE LAST WE MET, EH? TWENTY YEARS, YES, SAID Doc. YOU WERE JUST LEAVING THE OLD COLLEGE WHEN I TOOK UP MEDICINE. I USED TO THINK THE COLLEGE WAS A GOOD ONE, BUT JUDGING FROM YOUR USE OF THE LANGUAGE, I AM AFRAID IT IS NOT WHAT IT SHOULD BE. THE MAN FROM CUBA LAUGHED. I FORGET, HE SAID SMILING. "'Your English speaking is easy to forget. "'I like better Spanish.' "'Doc waved his hand. "'As you like,' he said. "'But what brings you here, all the way from Cuba? "'Do you intend to find another college "'to take a further course in English? "'And how comes it, Montia, "'that I find you in the clubhouse of these boys?' "'Montia told him that he had related to us "'about his acquaintance with Three-Finger Fred.' Well, said Doc, now that you have found Secretary Hawkins, what do you want with him? Montilla looked around the table again. Then he shook his head. I don't want him, he said, nodding his head toward me. I will say to you that I am in law business in Havana. Some days ago came a very fine man from the plantations to me. He asked me, will I go to United States and find a boy for him? He gave me a big fee, and I say I will go. I have come. Doc grinned. Glad you are here, he said. Take a chair and be seated. We might as well talk this over comfortably. The man from Cuba looked at the boys. Oh, don't mind them, said Doc. They are my pals, these boys. They might even be able to help you, too. That is well, said Montilla, seating himself. Now, when I meet this Fred of three fingers, I ask him if he ever been anywhere but New Orleans. He say he have. When the fine planter in Cuba tell me to go and find the boy he want, he tell me that one time they hear he was in some place called Kentucky. I ask Fred of Three Fingers, do he know the place? He say, sure. He lived there, too, one time. I tell him the name of the boy I look for and ask him if he know the boy. He clap his hands and say, sure, you go by Hudson Lee and find Secretary Hawkins. He tell you where you find this boy. Doc turned and looked at me. Well, Hawkins, he said. Tell him where to find this boy. How should I know? I said. He hasn't told me the boy's name. No, of course you haven't, Montilla said Doc Waters. What's the name of the boy you are after? His name? repeated Montia. Oh, yes, to be sure. He fumbled in the inner pocket of his coat for a minute and drew out a number of worn envelopes. His name, repeated Montilla, is, see here what I have written, that is it, how do you say that first part? Doc bent over and read, Lincoln Lambert. For a moment there was a silence in the clubhouse, during which you could have heard a pin drop. Then I jumped up. Why, Doc, I exclaimed, it's Link, the skinny guy. Doc smiled. Sure, he said. But Link's not here, just like him. Never attends meetings any more, does he, Hawkins? Oh, sometimes, I answered. Well, said Doc, send for him. Wait a minute, I said. Link is our pal. He is one of the best friends I ever had. I want to know what he's wanted for. I'll not give him away. No, sir, Doc. Not for all the Cuban planters in Cuba. Doc laid his hand on my arm. "'Don't be so impulsive, Hawkins,' he said. "'You won't have to give Link away. "'How do you know he is in trouble? "'Why, this might be some good news for him.' Montilla laughed. "'Good news,' he cried. "'I tell you, it is good news indeed, Waters. "'He is rich. "'He will be a great man.' He owns big plantations now. Somebody died and ordered that it should be so, and I have seen the will. It is a very rich will. He cannot have it if he comes not to Cuba. The will reads so, Waters. I wish that you get this boy to me so that I may talk it all to him. He is very rich now, and I will make a big fee. Doc Waters smiled. "'Same old Montilla," he said. "'You remember how you used to make big fees at school, too? For not telling when the other boys smoked cigarettes behind the dormitory? Ah, well, I'll help you out now, anyway. The boy you are looking for is a pal of mine, too. Come up to my office, and I will send for Link, and we can talk it over there.' Doc told me to go for Link and bring him and his father up to his office as soon as I could. Then Doc and Montilla walked away together, up the path toward Doc's house. After they were gone, there was a gloom in the clubhouse. Nobody seemed to feel like talking. But after a while, our captain said, We're going to lose Link. Yes, I said, but I'm glad for the skinny guy's sake. He has had enough hard times. I'm glad he is going to get a good home and enough money to live. He's been with us a long time, said Jerry Moore, and durn if I don't feel like he's a brother of mine. I hate to see him go. Well, I said, you boys see if you can figure out a way to keep him here while I go down and see if I can find him. I knew there was only one thing to do and that was to take my canoe and paddle down to the island, where the houseboat in which Link and his father lived was now anchored. So I started for the river. But as I neared the path I heard the old familiar whistle. Link, I hollered, Where are you? Coming, Hawkins, he answered. I waited for a few seconds and then saw him running up the path. I just had to tie my longboat, he said, as he came up. Those Pelham boys tried to steal it yesterday, so I tied it with a chain and lock today. Fine, I said, but you won't need to worry over the loss of a longboat anymore, Link. You're going to be rich. Come on up to Doc Waters' office with me. What are you saying? he asked. Come on, I said. I would rather have Doc tell it to you. As we came inside of the clubhouse, all the boys came to meet us. They all gathered around Link and me as we walked and shook his hand and wished him luck. The skinny boy looked surprised and frightened. "'What kind of a joke are you playing on me now?' he asked. "'Joke?' said Jerry Moore. "'I wish some guy from Cuba or Borneo would play a joke like that on me.' "'Come on, we're all going up with you, Link.' With a lot of chattering and noise we arrived at Doc's office. The Doc and his friend Montilla were seated in the office, smoking big cigars. Doc jumped up as we shoved the skinny guy forward. "'Ah,' he said, "'here, Montilla, is Lincoln Lambert.' The man from Cuba stood up and rubbed his hands while he looked down upon Skinny Link. "'I have found you,' he said. "'After many days, I am glad. "'You are a rich man.' "'Sit down, all of you, and I will read what was written for me to say.' "'There were only two more chairs in the office. "'So Link sat on one and I on the other, "'while the other boys stood around the walls of the room. "'Montilla took a long paper from his pocket and said, "'There lived in Cuba a rich planter and his wife. "'One day there came a lady to live with them.' She was the sister of the planter's wife. It is said that she could not agree with a shiftless husband in New Orleans. I was born there, broke in Link. Montilla smiled and bowed. I will continue, he said. So this lady left her husband who had stolen her boy away from her and she went to live with her sister in Cuba. By and by the planter died, And so they too, the ladies, live together on the big plantation, with many servants and cattle, and grow richer and richer. But by and by the planter's wife died also. And leave alone this poor lady who come from New Orleans after her husband stole her little boy away from her, and now she died. But she leave a will. Listen, I will read it to you. Montilla drew from a tattered envelope a long sheet of paper and began to read. To my son, Lincoln Lambert, if he be alive and can be found, I bequeath all the property known as the Casanova Plantation, and all pertaining thereto. I desire further that one half of the value of the plantation be expended, if necessary, in making diligent search for my boy. With this bequest goes that which means more a mother's love. And that he may know that I prayed for him all the days we were parted, so may he pray for my soul and remember me. Amen. When Montilla stopped reading, Link was crying. I put my arm around him and whispered to him to try to be a man now that he had so much to look forward to but I could do nothing with him. Neither could Doc, who tried to soothe him. So Doc whispered to me, Take him out, Hawkins, into the fresh air. I will arrange matters with Montilla, and tomorrow bring Link here again and ask his father to come along. I slipped my arm around Link and took him out. The boys saw that they could do nothing, and quietly they all slipped away. I led Link down to the clubhouse and we sat on the porch steps together. He dried his eyes and sat with his chin in his hands. Well, Link, I said at last, you've been a poor kid and you know what it means to go hungry. But now God is going to give you better times. You're going to have a fine home and own a big plantation. And believe me, Link, I'm as glad as you are about it. "'Link smiled. It's mighty fine,' he said in a low voice. "'And it seems like a dream, Hawkins. "'The lawyer said it was a big place, and that I would be rich. "'But somehow I don't want it any more. "'All my life I have been hoping for one thing. "'I would give that big plantation and all the money for something else.' "'Why, Link!' I exclaimed. "'What more could a boy want?' Link looked at me out of those soft blue eyes. "'My mother,' he said quietly. "'All my life I've been waiting and hoping. I thought some day I would see her. But that stranger man said she willed it all to me. She is dead. Tears came in his eyes. I felt deeply sorry for my poor skinny guy.' "'I must go,' said Link, jumping up. "'My dad will be waiting for me. "'He's awful good to me, Hawkins. "'I don't want anybody to think he ain't good to me. "'He's done the best he could.' "'I watched him as he ran down the river to his longboat, "'and I thought to myself, what a queer chap. "'He had seen much of hardship in life. "'He did not have a chance such as we boys had.' Now he was to have a better road to travel, and the poor kid couldn't enjoy it. Even now, when he thought to be happy, he left me with tears in his eyes. He was thinking of his mother. End of chapter 1 Recording by John Brandon